Vox Quick Hits. with many problems, one problem reigns supreme, the climate emergency. The stakes have never been higher. The odds of bipartisan agreement on this issue have possibly never been lower. But there's a new president in town, and he's hot for science. We've already waited too long to deal with this climate crisis. We can't wait any longer. It's Earth Week at Today Explained. We're going to talk about what's in store for this planet. The future of our future. Welcome to Earth. Week on Today Explained. Happy Earth Day! We're celebrating with Earth Week here at Today Explained. On yesterday's show, we explored the expanding universe of electric vehicles. Today, we're going to focus on what fuels them. Our energy. Bill Gates says that if you want to be serious about our climate emergency, you gotta get serious about nuclear energy. People at least should be open-minded that a next-generation reactor can have far better economics, far better safety, you know, no proliferation, no waste problem. And Bill's putting his money where his mouth is. The thing I'm investing in, uh, and not because I expect to make a ton of money on it, uh, it's because it, I think, because it's zero CO2, because the economics are so good, uh, is a fourth-generation design. And there are many fourth-generation designs. This one is very, very attractive from an economic point of view. I mean, way cheaper. We reached out to Bill to ask why he's such a fan of nuclear, but he was busy upgrading to 5G or something. So instead, we asked Robinson Meyer. But you can call me Rob. Rob writes about energy at the Atlantic, so we asked Rob why Bill makes this argument that if you're serious about climate, you got to be serious about nuclear. Because right now, you know, nuclear generates an absolute enormous amount of zero carbon electricity worldwide. And we know, you know, to decarbonize the energy system, to fight climate change, right, we need to reduce carbon emissions to zero. To reduce carbon emissions to zero, we need to electrify way more stuff. And to electrify way more stuff, we need to have reliable, cheap sources of zero-carbon electricity. And right now in the U.S., I believe nuclear actually generates about half of our zero-carbon electricity nationwide. And a big risk for us in the U.S. is that there are a lot of old nuclear plants, and they are about to go offline soon. And just the way costs kind of come out, they're likely to be replaced by natural gas. And so... You know, this is happening in California, it's happening in New York, is these old nuclear plants shut off. They don't get replaced by renewables, which are also zero carbon. They get replaced by natural gas, which is fossil fuel and emits methane and CO2. And why does Bill Gates feel like he needs to make this argument? Why is there even an argument that needs to be made if this is such a clean, functional alternative? Well, <laughs> I think people would, dis- would argue with clean and functional. Ah. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get into all of the history and even all of the issues in the way 
of a nuclear future. Let's just talk about how this works. Can you give us, you know, the uh, the elevator ride oh, version of how nuclear power functions? So, nuclear energy at its heart, and boy, oof, I'm so sorry to physicists listening to this. Please keep this in because I'm really like, I got to apologize to them off the bat. Um, generally, the way nuclear works is you, you use radiation to generate heat. You use that heat to heat up water. Um, you have these fuel rods, they're submerged in water. They heat up the water by virtue of uh, radiation. The water turns into steam. You use the steam to turn a turbine. And that turbine generates electricity the same way any other turbine <laughs> generates electricity, right? I mean, it's just a, it's a magnet, it's an electromagnetic effect. And is this why nuclear power plants are always next to bodies of water? Yes, because they have to cool the water somehow. That's also why they have the giant cooling towers with the steam coming out of it. I guess what I would say as a curiosity here is that basically every way we generate electricity just comes down to turning a turbine somehow, <laughs> usually with steam, right? With coal and gas, eventually all you're doing is just turning a turbine. With wind, you're using the power of the wind to turn a turbine. With nuclear, you're turning a turbine. All of them actually accept solar, which makes solar really interesting. I realize that's not the, in the purview of this podcast, but what's so interesting about solar to me is it's the only form of electricity generation where you're not turning a turbine. You're like exciting the electrons actually in the solar panel and they're moving into the wire. Next year on Today Explains Earth Week, solar. Mm-hmm. But this is about nuclear. We spoke to David Wallace-Wells early in the week about clean energy a whole lot. We didn't dig into the question of whether nuclear counts as clean. It sounds like <laughs> probably not. I mean, it really, really depends on how you define clean. And I'd say if you hear a politician talking about clean energy they are probably including nuclear in that because they mean zero carbon energy. Mm. I think critics of nuclear would tell you that because nuclear generates this waste material, it is not clean. You know, because you have nuclear waste at the end of the process, it is not clean in the same way that, say, solar or wind are clean. Well, let's talk about the waste. Yeah. What is the byproduct of this zero carbon form of energy? Spent fuel rods that emit radiation for hundreds of thousands of years. Wow. And what do we do with these spent fuel rods? <laughs> um, that's been a live question in American politics for a couple decades. You know, we were supposed to store them in Nevada. Beginning with the passage of the Nuclear Waste Policy Act in 1982, Congress has attempted several times to address the back end of the fuel cycle. In an effort to resolve an earlier stalemate, the federal government was supposed to begin taking title to used fuel and moving it to a repository at Yucca Mountain in Nevada beginning in 1998. Why Nevada? What did they do? Because it's, it's, it's really remote. You know, basically the idea, you store them at Mount Yucca and um, it's super remote and no one gets near it. In Europe, <laughs> they just bury it really, really deep underground in Finland. And they pay the communities that live on top of it it's supposedly so deep that it, it doesn't intersect with the water supplies. I think in the U.S. it remains a live issue. And I think what most nuclear plants do is they just have spent fuel rods on site, like 
under protection in containers where the radiation isn't escaping. I've also always heard this idea about nuclear waste that we should just launch it at the sun. Is that is that a serious idea? I wasn't going to ask you about it, but now that you mentioned singing cats, I feel like it's fair game. Okay, I have to be honest with you. I have also always wondered this about nuclear waste. I believe the reasons why not to do it are that, first of all, launches do fail. Mm, so true. it's bad if suddenly you've sprinkled a thin dusting of fuel rods across, you know, the Atlantic coast of Florida. The other half of this is like costs matter there too. And nuclear is kind of expensive. It requires some level of subsidy, at least in in the U.S. And um, it's expensive to launch things. Okay, let's talk more about cost. How expensive is nuclear energy compared to other sources? It depends a little bit plant by plant, but is not cheap. And it tends to require some level of state subsidy when we build it. It's not cheap in part because the safety regulations are very high in the U.S. People understandably want to make sure it's safe and it's very high cost burden to comply with that. Nuclear is more expensive than renewables, basically, period. Hmm. It's much more expensive. And that's pre-subsidies. And we tend to see nuclear get subsidized. And of course, where nuclear is different, and I think why climate people get very excited about nuclear, is because nuclear is a source of what's called firm power or firm electricity. And this is arguably why, even though it's expensive, it's worth paying for. Because nuclear, you know, generates electricity all the time. Like once you get a nuclear plant going, you're basically running it all the time, especially a conventional, big, multi-reactor, giant cooling tower nuclear plant. And power all the time is like the, the hardest and most important part of the electricity system. Right, The Texas blackouts happened because actually natural gas was unable to supply power all the time. And we know like with wind and solar, solar farms attached to giant batteries might eventually play this role. But just like more sources of really super reliable zero carbon electricity would be something that would be good to put in the electricity system. And um, nuclear is a potential source of that. A third impediment here that you haven't mentioned is death. Why haven't you talked about the death, Rob? Because the death, how would I put this? People get very worried about the safety of nuclear plants. And like, understandably, right? If you have a nuclear incident, there is potentially waste around for a long, long time. Which we did have just about 10 years ago, almost to the month. This is a potentially catastrophic disaster. And the images of destruction and flooding coming out of Japan are simply heartbreaking. You know, Fukushima killed, I believe the estimates are, (laughs) the stress of evacuation killed way more people than the radiation itself. You know, the estimates are hundreds of people may have died as a result of the overall Fukushima tragedy. But most would say, you know, several dozen people died of you know, immediate exposure to the Chernobyl waste and then somewhere on the order of thousands to tens of thousands died as a result of like increasing their exposure you know, of of cancer or another radiation-induced illness later on. And these are public health estimates. These are not, these aren't counts, right? You know, in Chernobyl officially the count is 31 people, but we know it is probably higher. You know, here's the thing. <laughs> Compared to coal, or really any part of the fossil fuel system, 
which we know causes hundreds of thousands of cardiopulmonary injuries a year, heart attacks, strokes, cardiac disease, early death, asthma attacks. Nuclear is almost certainly below the public health burden of the fossil fuel system. <laughs> like just cumulatively, nuclear has almost certainly injured and, and harmed and killed fewer people than the fossil fuel system overall. We just are used to living with the result of the fossil fuel system. We're used to people having heart attacks, right? We're used to people growing up with asthma. We're used to, you know, people in the most polluted parts of the world um, just underdeveloping and, and having lifelong cardiac and pulmonary problems because they live in heavily polluted air. You're saying the the fear of nuclear versus the fear of coal is a lot like the way more people are scared of flying than they are of getting in a car and driving, even though they're far more likely to meet with a fatal accident behind the wheel of a car. Yeah, I actually think it's a, a perfect analogy, and it's exactly like that. Because when a nuclear plant fails, usually, just like in a plane crash, you know, several different things have gone wrong. <laughs> it's outside the control of anyone experiencing it, and it's quite dramatic, like a plane crash. You know, while fossil fuel deaths are just something, they happen in the background, they're hard to associate with the actual fossil fuel system, you know. Someone dies in their late 50s or early 60s of a heart attack and they've lived downstream of a coal plant for 20 or 30 years. You know, we don't, we don't count that. That's not front page news, but that is a death in the same way a plane crash death is a death. It's just a whole lot less dramatic. And so it's, it's less salient. If you want a generally lower risk system, I understand why people get scared of nuclear. However, that being said, you know, would I live next door to a nuclear plant or a coal plant? Absolutely no question nuclear every day of the week because nuclear is basically fine. <laughs> like, 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 you know, if I live next door to a coal plant, I'm taking years off my life. Well, if I live next door to a nuclear plant, the most likely thing is that nothing ever happens and I have very cheap electricity. That was an excerpt of Today Explained. To hear the whole enchilada and others like it, check out Today Explained wherever you check out your podcast.